0: I'm gonna miss those uh, those people in that film. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm gonna. You know, lately I've been walking around looking for uh, sunshines and cloudy weather on people's heads. You know, when I, I introduce myself or I meet people or talk to people. If you've been with us uh, the last several weeks, we've been doing a series called Climate Change. And uh, the question that we all uh, wanted to answer for ourselves is, what's it like to be on the other side of me? <laughs> What's it like to be on the other side of you? So we asked you, if you're married, ask your wife, ask your kids, ask your friends. Um, we didn't do the 10 emails to all your coworkers and friends anonymously. We didn't do that. We didn't want to do that. It's a little too, going a little too far. But, uh, you know, we talked about a few things about climate change, and uh, today's our final uh, segment of it. And, uh, but I want to do a little review for those who are, are joining us uh, for the first time. We, uh, we, we covered a, a, on the topic of climate change. It's about our relationships and what's it like to be on the other side of me. You know, we all carry a climate. We all bring a certain climate into each and every one of our relationships. You know, if you're married with kids, usually your kids, when they're little, they get the sunny climate of you. Oh, yeah. Then you turn to your spouse and they usually get the storm clouds. You know, and, but the kids get the sunshine. And as the kid gets older, it kind of reverses. The wife gets the sunshine and the kids get the cloudy, stormy, you know, climate is a covenant because they frustrate you. And last week we talked about conflict and how, you know, the climate of our relationships begin to change when conflict is resolved, not ignored. Um, we like to ignore conflict, and so we, we walk around with a certain climate that ruins our relationships. And so the scripture that we looked at last week was never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Those are two th- important things in relationships. It is disloyal not to resolve relationships, you're showing disloyalty to your spouse or to your children, to your friends, when you don't want to. And so um, we encourage you to be a loyal friend, but also not just be loyal and rude, but be loyal and kind. Kindness is an important part of your relationship climates. Resolving climates and resolving conflict positively over negatively trying to resolve them. You know, many of us have had conflicts where it was a negative conflict and 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 the attempt to reconcile it was negative. It was not positive. And so our experience with that, it changes our climate to even do it again. So loyalty and kindness. Let it never leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you'll find favor with both God and people, and you'll earn a good reputation. Something I know about you, you all want to be in favor with God, and you all want to have a good reputation. So to do that in your climate series and for your heart... And that is to be a loyal friend and also be kind. And you'll have many friends and you'll have a great relationship with God. So, that is the last week's lesson. Um, it wasn't recording for somehow. I didn't record last time, so I'm going to have to maybe do that later on in the year. Or maybe do it to myself and record it and put it online. That's going to be kind of weird. But uh, people have been asking me for the lesson again. I'm like, I've got to do it to myself. That's an odd situation there, but I will make an attempt to, to do that. Now... One of, the, one, of the, one of the topics for today is the, 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 the climate called storm clouds. And so we're going to talk about, because it's a significant climate shaper, is a storm cloud. It's a weather system that we all know and that we all carry into our relationships. We carry it into these relationships, and it's not a bad mood, it's not a bad day, it's a climate. It's a climate of uh, storm clouds of discouragement, storm clouds of disillusionment. Storm clouds of pessimism. Storm clouds of negativity. And, it, when, and that begins to take root in our lives. And when this happens, it's very difficult to be on the other side of you when these things take root. It's very difficult to be on the other side of you when the storm clouds come and the weather system stays. It's because it's draining. And it's frustrating. Um, and it's, you feel helpless being on the other side of a storm cloud, you feel helpless. You don't know what to do. And this can reflect us. This could be us. And, and when it reflects us, and, and the thought of being on the other side of that cloud, there's something vital missing that when injected can give a complete climate change. It's a, it's a climate shaper that I want to talk about today. And that climate shaper is hope. Because when storm clouds come, Hope can be evaporated. And hope is a climate shaper that I want to talk about today. Here is why hope is so, so vital to our lives. It's so vital. It's so important. Because we all have expectations. And when hope is deferred, it makes the heart sick. When you come in with a certain dream, an expectation... And then it's not met. And it's deferred. The Bible says it can make your heart sick. It can make it very sick. So it, it, it's, it could be any kind of thing you're doing. It could be starting a new job. You have a lot of expectations, a lot of hope, and then your reality hits. It could be your marriage, it could be being married in the first year. You have a lot of hope and expectation. And then it meets reality. You know, it could be your children. You you prayed you about getting pregnant. And then you had the child. And then you are sleep deprived. And then you wish you didn't have the child. You wish they would have came out at three years old, potty trained, already ready to go. Sometimes we have these expectations and then reality hits. And so when your dreams, when your dreams meet reality... When your dreams meet reality, choose hope over pessimism, over bitterness, over disillusionment. Choose hope. Hope. We all know what it's like when our expectations meet reality. We've all experienced that, our dreams. And these storm clouds start to form when our dreams meet reality. That's the weather system of storm clouds. It starts to affect the way we see, the way we think, and hope and hope dissipates. It starts to be pushed out of the weather system. And we have to understand, not only for our sake, but for the people in our lives, why it's so important for us to choose hope and not bitterness. And I I believe this because God is at work in our lives. God is working to build something. And I believe in the Bible. There's a pattern that I found in the scriptures that, that God uses to give us hope. A lot of times we want to think of hope as an emotional feeling or a feeling of euphoria. But actually that's wrong. Hope is built on a certain pattern that God has established in the scriptures. and I'm gonna, And we're going to talk about that. I'm going to show you how you can live a life of true hope. Of really having hope, not an emotional euphoria feeling, and those are good to have when you think God is awesome, but a very practical way when you're in the midst of a storm cloud, how to have hope. And we're going to talk about that today. So I want to show you how to cooperate with God in the process. If you have your Bible, you can turn it to Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 2. We're going to look at the screen right here for a moment. And it says, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame or in NIV. Hope does not disappoint. There is a pattern that God uses to give us hope. And notice that it includes a few words. The good news is that God is working... The bad news is that it involves suffering. <laughs> That's the good news is God's working with you. The bad news is it's suffering. And I remember as a child and how this principle has shaped my character today. My father in his wisdom didn't get too involved with certain things in my life because he, he, in his wisdom, looking back, he probably knew I needed to suffer a little bit to learn my lesson. He didn't get involved in all my school conflicts. You know, if, if I would have come home and say it was a bully at school, I didn't really, didn't really care. Just deal with it. Deal with it. So I, I was scared, but I dealt with it. You know, and I, I was looking back at all the fights that I got into. You know, conflict doesn't scare me as much. Doesn't bother me as much. I've seen it. You know, growing up with my mom was amazing, but she's very loud and controlling and dominant. You know, as a kid, I was always like... Ugh. And I got older, I appreciate strong spiritual women. They don't frighten me. They don't scare me. Sisters, it's okay. It's okay to voice your opinion to me. I, don't, I, I won't react to that. I'm used to that. There were some climate shapers in my life of suffering that taught me something in my character later as a Christian. So it's not always that bad, but there is some bad news. So I'm going to show you how it works. So we all start off with Expectations. Whether you come to, come to church, whether this is your first Sunday or your second Sunday or, you know, uh, I came to church, my friend invited me. What's, what, you have expectations. What is church going to be like? Or maybe, you know, your kid started a, a new baseball team or a new soccer team or a new, uh, or a new rugby team and, or you started school. You, everyone comes in with certain expectations. And in those expectations, there is, a, there is a season of suffering. You know, the honeymoon ends, as they say. You start a new job, your, your boss looks super cool, and then all of a sudden he's not so cool. And then he starts doing things that you don't like, and then you feel like you're suffering. And then, God says there's pers- There's a perseverance. You know, you know when, when our expectations are not realized, there's suffering, but then there's a, there's a perseverance that God wants to teach us. And then, the character begins to surface. And when this character begins to surface... There we have and find hope. This is the process that God uses to build hope in you. There's a process that He used that if you were to look back in your Bible and think about men like Abraham, who says, you know what, your offspring are going to be like the sand in the seashore. God gave him this incredible vision. And what was the next thing he had to do? He was called to sacrifice his son. Suffering. God stopped him just to see if he was committed to his heart. He was. But then moving from his homeland and moving all to the land of Canaan, then the Egyptian king wanted to take his wife as a bride. There was suffering. Think about David, who was anointed as a shepherd to be the king of Israel. That's pretty cool as a teenager. You're going to be the king. And then that meant expectation. I'm going to be the ruler of the land. But then the next 20 years, he's running for his life, being chased by King Saul because he's jealous. What did that produce in these men? Men like uh, Moses and David, but women like Esther, mm-hmm. who, who had the threat of her life and the extinction of her people and had to face the king. You know, she was in the royal palace. She had a good thing going. She had a good life. But yet there was suffering and it produced character. There was Paul the apostle <laughs> learned in the scriptures. A Pharisee of Pharisees became a, became a disciple, became a follower of Jesus. And then there was suffering. Right. <laughs> So let me give you an example of Jesus. When he first started his ministry, he went to go get baptized. And that's a good thing, guys, being baptized. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming out, up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. Let's just stop there for a second. Let's just think about heaven being torn open, okay? I don't know what happened at your baptism, but that certainly didn't happen at my baptism. <laughs> When I got baptized, all I saw was a campus guy's his face, all happy. But I didn't see heaven torn open. So I don't know what that looks like, but it was torn open. And, and then the Spirit descended on him like a dove. That's a pretty awesome baptism. That's a pretty incredible, that's a day full of promise. That's a day full of expectation. All is right with the world. I mean, look at this situation. And so, then not only that... But then, you know, he gets an encouraging voice from heaven. That says, you are my son with whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I don't know about you, but God didn't do that in mine either. Here is the voice of God that not only Jesus heard, but the the, the apostles heard, those who were there, John the... Everyone who was there heard the voice of God. What a day. You thought, man, from this point on, man, this is going to be an amazing day ministry, people are going to follow Jesus, people are going to be incredible to Him, and then, at once, the Spirit sent Him out into their wilderness. <laughs> not as enemies, not as naysayers, not as critics, not as disciples, not John the Baptist, but who? The Spirit of God. Sends him into the wilderness. And what happened there? Well, what happened there? Well, there were 40 days of being in the wilderness, being tempted by Satan, and he was with wild animals for 40 days. A season of suffering. A season of suffering for Jesus. After this incredible baptism and all this expectation of what is going to possibly happen... He goes into a season of suffering. Forty days, no food. Wild animals. His character and his resolve were growing. And the angels came to attend him after forty days. You know, you don't get that. If you were were living in that time, at that moment, seeing that, you thought, hey, there's no suffering involved here. This is going to be glorious. But that's not the pattern that God gives us to have hope. Because we're going to have hope You have to be transformed. And so, there's a hope that God wants to build. But it's on top. Because to to achieve hope, there are going to be expectations that you have. But there will be suffering. There will be expectations. There will be perseverance. There will be character. And then, you'll have hope. You know, this is a scripture just to remind us. That God Himself sent His own Son to suffer. But there was a reason. There was a season of it. There was a reason to do that because He needed to be for, forged in His character. He needed to be a person that does the right thing. When we do the right thing, then God starts to work. When we choose. To embrace the pattern of hope over, over bitterness. God begins to work and develop a character in us. A reality in us of who we're becoming. Because when our dreams meet reality, we have, to, we have a choice to make. We can choose hope or choose bitterness. Bitterness. You know, when I first got married, I had a lot of expectations. I'm sure all you married brothers did too. When you, I'm sure you wives had expectations of your husbands, making sure all their dirty laundry was picked up and put in the laundry bin and brought downstairs and he prepped the washing machine for you. I'm sure that was all the expectations that you, might, you had. You know, we all had expectations going into our marriage. And then when reality hit, that you, you know, you, you didn't marry your mom. When that reality hits... Because mom took care of you. Mom took care of your clothes. Mom took care of your food. When you, when you realize you, that you're at reality, I encourage you to choose hope. <laughs> choose hope. There's something about, that God does, and it's uncomfortable to think that God would put this in the process. You know, it may be uncomfortable to think that God loves you enough. To put you through a season of suffering so you'll one day have real hope. Some of you may not like that theology. But it's in the scriptures. There's a lot of evidence what God does. He loves you enough to give you some suffering. Allow you to have some suffering. If you're a parent today, especially if you're a parent in the 21st century, we don't want our kids to suffer. <laughs> we'll, we'll, do, we'll shake heaven and earth to have our children avoid suffering. And you're doing your kids a disservice it's a biblical process. I mean, there's a, there's a certain funnel of suffering. Don't get me wrong here, parents. I'm not going to go off the reservation. I mean, there's got to be a little... You know, you have to judge that with discernment and advice and wisdom, but there's a funnel of it. Once it reaches out of the funnel, you have to take action and, and, and at times come to rescue your children. But for the most part, there's suffering. It's not... usually doesn't, doesn't go outside of the realm of I have a lot of homework. You know, I, I want to quit something I started. No, you're going to finish what you started. So there's there's a funnel of it. And I want to encourage you parents not to pull, not to take the way that from your children. It's good, it's biblical. Jesus went through it, you went through it. Why shouldn't they go through it? Right? Our suffering is different. If you didn't grow up with Christian parents, you had a different kind of suffering. Amen. I understand that too. I understand. The way I discipline my children is not the way my the way, way my, my father disciplined me, disciplined me is not the way I discipline my children. It's different. Mine's lawful and legal right so there's a big difference but there's still that element in there I expect my children to obey when I say something I expect them to listen I expect them to respect me I expect them to be courteous I expect that of them and when they don't they'll suffer a little bit for it it's okay to have your children suffer a little so they can develop character and perseverance and hope you know so this is what happens after um uh, the 40 days of the wilderness. And I want you to, to hone in on this passage because his cousin John was put in prison. You know, we thought that John was going to help Jesus in his ministry, but he goes to prison. You know, I mean? that's, a, that's a big bummer. So Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God uh, is near. Repent and believe the good news. You know, when John is put in prison, that could be an opportunity to choose discouragement. He just baptized you and John went to prison. That's like you know, that's like your when your, your your buddy who gets thrown in prison, you go, I thought we we're gonna do this together. I guess you know we shouldn't go out and share our faith. But because Jesus went through a, a time of suffering, look at the resolve. Look at the unstoppable faith he has. You know what? John's in prison, okay. And besides, you know what? He leaves John in prison. He doesn't even rescue John. We're going forward. John, God's teaching you another lesson of suffering. And he goes forward. faith that he has because God is trying to build hope because when your dreams meet reality I want you to choose hope it doesn't face Jesus you know the threats are going to be coming the danger that's ahead if you read the gospels he resolutely goes to Jerusalem knowing it will cost him his life his apostles going, "Don't no, you can't go to Jerusalem. They'll kill you. That's why I came. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. God, I don't want to guy, but I will do your will. You know, I'm glad he went through that suffering, and I'm glad he went through all these trials, because if he didn't, it wouldn't save me, and it wouldn't save you. Just like David, the prefigure of Jesus. Abraham, all these great men of faith that we love to read about. There was a time of suffering in their life. And it's sad to see Christians take suffering and then get bitter and get angry at God. When God is actually working with you. He's working for you. He's working in your life. And we're going, nah, I don't want (laughs) that. Yeah, I don't want (laughs) that. And we do that. Mm -hmm. Get away from me. Leave me alone. And we see our faith get weaker and weaker and weaker. Because God's been trying to build and build and build in you an unshakable faith. But if we reject that process, we in essence reject hope. You're going to have some some feeling-oriented hope that tosses you back and forth like the waves in the ocean. And you always live this unstable Christian life. God is doing something amazing. Amazing in our lives. And I want, to, I want to encourage you to fight for hope. Because it's worth fighting for. Amen. Fight for hope by doing the next right thing and expect God to show up. That's how you get through the trials of suffering. That's how you get through a divorce. That's how you get through a conflict with your wife. You do the next right thing. That's the step. You're suffering, do the right thing then God will show up. He's doing something with you and inside of you. He's working with you. He's not against you. Amen. This is awesome. When your dreams meet reality, we have two choices. We can stay stay on the ground and let the dark clouds surround us and determine your climate of your heart. We can do that. You can let the clouds, the storm clouds, just kind of take over. and You can get pessimistic and negative. You can do that. That's a choice. Or you can get up and fight back. Or if you've been knocked down, stand up. If you've been knocked to your knees, get up. Declare that I will trust God in this process. Because there's an element of trust that we need to have with God in the process. He did it with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and all the great men that we adore in the Bible, the great women, Esther. He did it for them. And we, use their, and we read that to sisters to encourage them, right? We do that. And that's an awesome thing. But know that there was a season of suffering that, be, that helped them become the person they were. Yeah. It wasn't just hope just filled their heart and they got it. That's, that's like magical. Right? I need, we need practical. Yeah. And when we're suffering, it's the practical way that God now begins to develop something that will last your entire life. It's hope. Your kids are watching you and how you respond when your dreams hit hit reality. Your kids respond that way. You know, my dream this, this, this morning was I wanted to stay in bed because I'm sick as a dog. But the reality is I could not, I didn't have the heart to call Zaldi or Steve to preach for me on the day of. That's, that's pretty brutal. But that was reality. You show up. You just do the right, next right thing. Whether you're in a, in, a, in a fight with your wife right now as you came to church, you can choose the right thing. Whether your children are suffering, you can encourage them to do the right thing. Because when your dreams meet reality, when they meet the reality, I want to encourage you to choose hope. Thank you. Have a great afternoon.